the conditions of our day and uh, just to share something about that. Go to the text that we use for our message this morning, First uh, Timothy chapter 6. And I just want to reread two of those verses, verse 11 and verse 12. 1 Timothy 6, verse 11. But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called, and hast professed a good profession for many witnesses. Father, we're thankful for your word. We're thankful for the truth that it represents. And we're thankful that we can be partners with you in keeping, holding, preserving and disseminating that truth in our world today. Use us, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. You know, the Bible, particularly in the Old Testament, uh, is filled with references to warfare, certainly some significant battles. The one that's always kind of amazing to me is that Abraham and his household, 318 people, uh, routed an, ar- an army made up of five different kings and their and their. Uh, each, each group of soldiers, and they were able to defeat them. And uh, that was certainly significant. In doing so, he rescued his, his, his nephew Lot, of course. Of course, Joshua, the whole book of Joshua, is uh, much about uh, conquest and battles and the conquest of the land of Canaan against the Canaanites and some significant battles there. I've just been reading in that, uh, in my personal reading uh, this, this week, and it's always a blessing to see what God did in one case, the, the battle against the, the, the attackers on the city of Gibeon, um, God held the sun for a whole day, apparently 12 or 24 hours, who, how, whatever period of time it was, and the sun didn't go down. It just stayed there. And I don't know why, how it did that and not fried him, but we'll uh, find out in heaven maybe about all that. But um, uh, at any rate, uh, certainly some significant battles. And then, of course, both Saul and David were both warrior kings, and uh, they were both uh, significantly involved in battles as well. Of course, that took place almost 500 years after uh, the period of Joshua. And uh, then, of course, we come to the New Testament, and there's really not much at all about physical warfare. Uh, the battles that are talked about in the New Testament are all are all primarily spiritual battles, uh, battles for the truth. And um, and it's interesting when Pilate questioned Jesus because Jesus made it clear that if it had been his plan to take over the uh, Roman Empire and defeat the Roman Empire of his day, he could have called his servants and they would have done that. But he made it very clear to Pilate that his kingdom was not of this world and the battle was a spiritual one, of course. And uh, so that certainly is more characteristic of the New Testament. And one of those passages is found right here in verse 12 that we read. He says, fight the good fight of faith. And so I emphasize my message this morning about the importance of taking a stand for the truth and even to a certain extent a militant stand. And elsewhere in Second Timothy, Paul tells Timothy that he's to endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. 
No man that warth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. So obviously, uh, the talk in the New Testament is always about a spiritual battle that is ongoing between us and our adversary, the devil, and the world system. And so, uh, certainly, uh, Paul and Timothy and even the apostles uh, realized that um, the word of God was something uh, that they needed to take a stand for. Now, I know that most of us here uh, probably do not like to fight. We'd rather just, you know, let things go along and uh, not uh, not have to fight. But the reality is, if we're going to preserve the truth in our day and for future generations, uh, to some degree, we're going to have to take a stand. It may involve uh, taking a militant stand. It may involve taking, uh, taking the battle uh, to the spiritual battle to the world system that we live in and taking a stand against sin, against the devil and the powers of of evil, and certainly that ha- has to happen. In fact, every generation has to fight that battle. I remember I was talking to um, a, a well-known leader in fundamental fundamentalism, and uh, we were talking. His dad, his grandfather, was just a well-known preacher and took a stand for truth, and then his father was a very militant, committed uh, Christian and pastor um, and uh, and Christian leader, and then he, he was at that point probably in his 40s, And but he said, you know, when I became growing up in the family with my father and my grandfather, he said, uh, when I became a, a young man of 18 or 20 years of age, I realized that I could not just go on my parents' laurels that I was going to have to determine uh, this is this is where I'm going to stand. This is what I believe, and I'm committed to this. And uh, so I'm convinced that every generation has to fight that battle. A number of years ago, Harold Linzel wrote a book called The Battle for the Bible. And uh, in that book, and by the way, that book was written back in the 70s, I believe, um, but it's been re-upped on it, not by not all by him, but by other writers uh, ad- addressing that very issue and the importance of taking that stand. Now, the Wisconsin Fellowship of Baptist Churches was begun as a ministry to stand against biblical compromise among the churches in Wisconsin. Just give you a little quick history. In the 1900s, uh, liberalism came into the churches, not just in Wisconsin, but all across America, uh, came into the churches in the form of liberalism, or as it was known then, modernism. And uh, it really started in Europe, primarily in Germany, and uh, some leaders there uh, came up with this uh, new liberal theology, this modernistic theology, and uh, they denied the inspiration of Scripture, they denied the deity of Christ and other key doctrines. And as a result... Um, men, particularly men who were in seminaries and colleges here in the U.S., uh, went to Europe to get advanced training. And uh, just like happens sometimes, you know, if someone's got a sickness, a virus, bacterial infection or a virus, if you're around them and you have contact with them, you can contract that same virus or that same bacterial infection and you get sick yourself. Well, that's what happened. These men went over there. They went to their graduate degree programs in Europe and they picked up this liberal theology and they brought it back to the seminaries and colleges of the U.S. And those schools were training young men for ministry and so then those men went out in the churches and of course that modernism, liberalism um, theology spread to the churches of our country as well. 
And so, uh, as a result, there was a loss of a biblical message. There was a loss of emphasis on biblical conversion, people getting saved, being born again. Uh, and then, of course, the result was church Church populations declined. Churches basically uh, no longer were seeing people get saved and growing in the Lord. And so as a result, those churches began to decline. Uh, as a result, Wisconsin became known as the graveyard of evangelism or the graveyard of preachers. And Pat pastors or preachers did not want to come here to Wisconsin. I remember when I was a Bible college student, this is in the in the middle 60s. I know I don't look that old, but I am. And uh, I was going to Bible college and uh, I remember them talking about this uh, Wisconsin fellowship. And uh, George Cable was the uh, director at that time. And he was telling about this place that was a graveyard of preachers. And I never knowing that I would eventually pastor here and then take his position and be the director of the Wisconsin Fellowship. I didn't know that at that time, of course, but uh, it's amazing uh, to see uh, that's the, the reputation. Now, I can testify to that personally because I grew up in an American Baptist church down in central Illinois. I went to that church until my mid-teen years. And uh, when I got to be in junior high, it was just kind of the thing to do. You went forward and said you wanted to join the church. You went through a class. I have no recollection of the class. I just know I did do it. And then I got dipped in a, in a pool, okay, in a baptistry. Uh, but I knew nothing about being born again. I knew nothing about being saved. Um, and so I was just took a bath, that was all. And uh, so as a result, I was a church member, but I was a lost church member. So that was my own personal testimony. And it wasn't until uh, someone witnessed to me and shared the gospel with me, and I realized that I needed to trust Christ as my Savior. And of course, that was in, uh, through another ministry, not the church that I was attending at that time. And uh, so I, I got saved, and I actually joined uh, that uh, new church, got baptized, and uh, became an active member of ministry of that church. But obviously, by my own testimony, I had lived under that liberal theology and uh, that uh, Christ denying and Bible denying theology that was prevalent that day. In 1950, January of 1950, a group of fundamental Baptists, actually 18 people, some pastors and their wives, uh, met at the First Baptist Church in Wapaka, Wisconsin. And at this meeting, they had invited two men to come, Dr. M.R. Siemens and Dr. B. Myron Cedarholm. And they asked these two men to come for a two-day fellowship meeting. And uh, they uh, came and met, of course, and um, at that meeting, they made a resolution to start a fellowship here in Wisconsin of Fundamental Baptists. Now, Dr. Cedarholm at that point was the general director of the Conservative Baptist Association of America, which, was a, which is a nationwide association of independent Baptist churches. Uh, they were called conservative because they had left the American Baptist Convention and had had been been con, uh, conservative Baptist. So as a result, um, they that meeting they decided uh, to to organize and they started what was to become the um, Wisconsin 
conservative, the Conservative Baptist Association of Wisconsin was started uh, at that time in, in that meeting in 1950. And uh, they actually held their first annual meeting in September of that year. And there were five churches, okay, five churches that chose to affiliate and be a part of that founding group of churches that were going to make up this conservative Baptist Association of Wisconsin. Now, they took a stand on inspiration of scripture. They took a stand on the virgin birth of Christ, the deity of Christ, the bodily resurrection, and the Baptist distinctives. And they also took a stand against evolution and uh, some other areas having to do with, with conduct. And uh, they, they basically took a stand in those areas. Now, you see, in taking that stand, these Baptists were standing against the liberal agenda and teaching of the I said American Baptist. Actually, at that time, was known as the Northern Baptist Convention, and then it became changed to American Baptist Convention, and then it became the American Baptist Church. So that's where they are today. And uh, so, as a result, um, they founded this Conservative Baptist Association of Wisconsin, and there was this nationwide CBA. Okay, CBA of A, it was called Conservative Baptist Association of America. And then we had the Wisconsin, uh, associate, uh, Wisconsin, Conservative Baptist Association of Wisconsin as well. Um, there was also a missionary movement called the CBFMS, Conservative Baptist Foreign Mission Society, because one of the concerns uh, of these independent Baptists was there were missionaries on the field, but they were they were preaching liberalism on the field. So they were teaching people how to practice good hygiene, how to grow crops, um, how to have hospitals and do all that kind of thing. But they weren't seeing people get saved. They weren't preaching the gospel. So these mission agencies, along with these church associations, formed and the churches then began to leave these liberal conventions and become a part of that. So uh, at that point, this this um, association of churches uh, called the Conservative Baptist Association of Wisconsin had a twofold mission, essentially. Obviously, one of the reasons that they formed was to provide a basis of fellowship, an opportunity for the churches and the pastors and those involved in their ministries to get together, to do things together, have some kind of regional meetings and all that kind of thing. So that kind of fellowship was important. And then also to uh, start churches because uh, a lot of churches had closed in Wisconsin. And if you look back at the history in the 1910, 1920s, 1930s, 1940s, the early decades of that uh, 20th century, uh, a lot of Baptist churches, again, liberalism had done its work. It had destroyed those congregations and those churches closed. And so as a result, that was one of the reasons why it was known as the graveyard here in Wisconsin. So um, the, they saw the need of starting churches. Um, in a period of time between um, between uh, November of 1956 and July of 1957, there were six churches started in that nine-month period. And five of those churches are still in existence today. So uh, I'm just saying that that was a definitely an emphasis back there, uh, particularly in the 50s, uh, and it's continued on uh, to the to the present at this point. So as we as we look at that, we can see the importance. And uh, we live in we live in the town of Lebanon, Wisconsin. Now, if you uh, if you're not careful, you'll miss it. Okay, we're an unincorporated town. 
and uh, or just northeast of Watertown, about eight miles, if you know where Watertown is. Uh, we're about equidistant between Madison, Milwaukee, and uh, we we have a Baptist cemetery in our town. There's no church there, but there's a cemetery. Well, I knew if there was a cemetery, there had to have been a church there. So I did a little research, and I found out that um, we have a very strong German a German town. Uh, the, the, the core families that started our community five generations or so ago all came from Germany on the same ship, and they all came and they all uh, settled in the same place, Lebanon, Wisconsin. And... Uh, um, so very strong. We have we have about four Lutheran churches currently, and there's three or four of them that used to be that are gone now in our area. And uh, th- they not only brought their Lutheranism with it, but they brought their beer with them as well, unfortunately. And uh, but we have this uh, Lebanon Baptist Cemetery. So I did some research, and there was actually a Baptist church started in around 1850, and uh, the man who started actually came on the same ship with all these Lutheran families, and when he got here, uh, he evangelized, got some of those Lutherans saved, and started a church, a German-speaking church, in, in our community. And that church existed for a century, 100 years, and it closed down in the 1950s. They did celebrate their centennial, uh, but that church doesn't exist. But the cemetery is still there. And the, the church parsonage is still there, but the church building is gone. The church no longer exists. However, kind of an interesting sidelight. This is, I'm not charging any extra for this. Um, the um, Lebanon Baptist Church was instrumental in starting First Baptist Church in Watertown, which is like eight miles away. So families, obviously from from Lebanon, either either moved or whatever, started a church in Watertown, First Baptist, which is still there today. It's a German German Baptist Church, though English speaking. And Calvary Baptist Church, which is the church we attend, uh, actually started out of First Baptist as a planned split over doctrine. And so the church that we attend today has its roots in Lebanon, where we live. And that's kind of an exciting fact and, and one of those things that just shows what happens when people decide to take a stand for what's right. Well, that continued to happen in the Wisconsin and the Conservative Baptist Association of Wisconsin. The CBA, if you know your history of the Conservative Baptist movement, you know that it was a mixed multitude right from the beginning. And there's a lot of reasons for that. So as a result... Um, there were people who, who were part of the CEBA, but they were not separatists. They were not committed to biblical separatism and taking a stand against uh, uh, compromised false doctrine and so forth. And as a result, uh, that mixed multitude was continued to, to be a problem. You know, just like when the, when the Jews came out of Egypt, the Bible tells us it was a mixed multitude. And that created some issues, and some of those cropped up later in the wilderness and then later on. And uh, so that's the same thing that happened here. And uh, so in uh, the 1960s, that that difference between was called, came to be called the soft core and the hard core. Okay, those are the terms that were, I don't know who came up with those names, but that's where they came up. The hard core were the fundamental separatists. The soft core were the more compromising new evangelical type people and churches. And uh, so as a result, uh, as the 60s went along, that, that rift became more noticeable. In 1965, the Wisconsin 
Conservative Baptist Association of Wisconsin, uh, put, uh, made a statement, a declaration of a policy statement that required each church to agree to a certain statement. It was a statement concerning some of these issues in liberalism and uh, some of the compromise areas. Uh, they reiterated that statement in 1968 as well. Um, the state association uh, at that point uh, was struggling with some of these issues. And so they decided in 1968 at the annual meeting uh, that they were going to change the name and they were going to separate themselves from the conservative Baptist movement con- completely because it was pretty evident the CBA was going in a direction that they were not comfortable with. Uh, our constitution demands that we have a one-year wait to make a change of that nature. So the decision was made in 68, and then in September of 1969 at the annual meeting, uh, they voted to change the name and to remove any contact with the CBA. And that vote was 102 to 49. Um, although, as you can see, two, basically a two to one split in, in the vote. Um, it did mean that about 15 churches, uh, left the association, or they stayed with the CBA, let's put it that way, and we all left, if we want to put it technically how it happened. And, uh, so, um, in, uh, 1969 then, uh, we became the Wisconsin Fellowship of Baptist Churches. And, uh, that's, that's where we are today. Um, uh, we have over 90 affiliated churches, and that would include your church, Spooner Baptist Church. Um, we also have an individual non-voting membership. We have about 15 individual voting uh, non-voting members. Uh, some pastors don't want to have their church involved in anything other than uh, their local community, and that's fine. We, we, we do not require any membership do we don't have any special reports required we don't we don't have any influence uh, con- uh, control over the churches in any way uh, but some pastors just don't want to do that anyway so we have about just over 100 108 110 churches that fellowship with us on some degree or another and we are committed to the continuing fight for the faith as we noted there um, one of the things that has been emphasis i mentioned was church planning and I'm not going to go back past the the 15 or so years, actually 17 years that I've been the director, uh, but just to share what's we what we've seen done since uh, I became the director in 2001. Um, Rhinelander was started, Faith Baptist and Rhinelander was started in 2004, and uh, we assisted them financially and other ways as well uh, until 2011. At that point, they were they were they were completely self sufficient, and that ministry has continue to grow. Um, uh, Mark and Lori Ring are ministering there. Um, Havenwood Baptist in Hurley was started in 2004, and uh, that church ended up spawning the Ashland Harbor Lights Baptist Church a year later. They're about 40 miles apart, and uh, Pastor uh, Kevin Holland started both churches, and uh, he actually pastored both churches at the same time for a while, a year or so. Uh, So the Ashland Church um, and uh, 
uh, that uh, church uh, 2005. Uh, Manitowoc Baptist was started in 2006. Uh, we didn't financially support them, but we were involved with Ron O'Brien and working with that ministry and uh, getting getting that ministry established. A Lighthouse Baptist Church in Hillsborough, and you saw a little bit of a picture from them, Kevin and Terry Lauber. Uh, that ministry uh, is a very rural ministry. Hillsborough is only about 500 people. Uh, they do have Elroy Kendall Union Center there in that uh, community in that area. And uh, they also have the, um, the WVCY camp there, the trail... Trail Ridge, Trail Ridge, yeah, Trail Ridge Camp is there in that area. So um, that ministry is doing doing well. They've struggled a little bit. They've had a little loss of people, but uh, continue to minister there. And then in 2011. We had two churches start, Lake Shore Baptist Church in Kiwani, uh, Ray and Tiffany Anderson. Ray was a assistant pastor in Bay City Baptist in Green Bay, and he just went to the lake, went east to the lake to uh, the town of... Um, uh, Lakeshore in Kiwani, right on the lakeshore there, and uh, started uh, Lakeshore Baptist, and they're doing well. Uh, they they were fully supported in 2017, and uh, doing doing well. God's blessed them. Um, then uh, we also that same year saw uh, Shalom Baptist start in Mequon. Mequon is a north suburb of Milwaukee. It's 40 percent Jewish. And so they call their church Shalom Baptist Church. And their goal is to reach into the Jewish community in, in, in the Mequon area. Now their challenge is they have not been able to get a permanent meeting place. They have a place that they rent and it's, a, it's all right for what they're doing right now. But if you understand, they have to bring in all their literature, all their hymn books, set up all their sound system, have their service, and then put take everything down and take it take it away. Every Sunday they do that. And uh, they've been in existence since 2011. Do the math, that's eight years. And uh, so as a result, uh, they, they need a meeting place that can be a permanent location. And that's really something they're letting. They even met in a Catholic school uh, for almost a year. Uh, because the school was no longer being used and it was available, and uh, but that was not a, obviously an ideal location uh, for their ministry. So anyway, at this point, uh, that uh, that church is also basically self-supported, even though they're still looking for a meeting place. They went off support in 2017 as well. We're currently supporting Shano Baptist Church, and that was started in, 19, in, in 2015, Matt and Megan Weber. Uh, this is actually the restarting of a church. We did have a church there for over 25 years. Uh, the pastor had some significant health issues. His wife had health issues. Um, he was not able to even get out at all physically at, at the end there. Uh, they actually were just meeting in their home. They didn't have a building. So that ministry basically closed down for about two years. And uh, we were burdened to see that uh, that community have a church. And so when the Webers came along, we were able to get them involved in there. And they're doing a great job uh, seeing that ministry there. Uh, they're running uh, close to 40 in regular base. They have a real nice building that they're renting and it's worked out well for them. Uh, so that's our current ministry that we're supporting at this time financially. You know, the, the WFBC has been involved, I think we mentioned on the, on the video there, over eight, uh, uh, over 80 churches have been started in Wisconsin since 1950. That's in seven, uh, 70 years, almost 70, 69. And, uh, 
We have not been involved in starting all of those. I'm not claiming that. But I am saying that we have been involved in many of those churches. Some of them we financially supported or helped support. Uh, some of them we just got involved in, maybe counseling or some manpower or in some ways uh, worked with them. And uh, so uh, certainly as we think what God has done in our state, we're no longer the graveyard of preachers, Okay. Praise God for that. And uh, we have two Bible colleges. We used to have three, but we have two Bible colleges now here. Uh, Baptist Bible Colleges, we're thankful for those ministries. And I think that's been part of it, is it's given us some manpower uh, here in the state of Wisconsin. And uh, we're continuing to do that, and that's our goal. And that's my personal commitment, uh, is to continue to see churches planted uh, in Wisconsin. And uh, so we're continuing to do that. I always challenge a church, and let me do this in closing. Um, I always challenge a church to say, if there needs to be a church in your area, maybe a town within an hour's drive of here that uh, that is of sufficient size that it could support a church, uh, but uh, doesn't have a church at this time, uh, to say you as a church could begin to say, we, we'll go over there and hold a Bible school in the summer. Uh, we'll go over there and have Bible studies. We'll go over there and, and do some door-to-door work and see if we can't reach some families and uh, get a church started. And uh, churches start churches. And that's what we're committed to, is encouraging churches uh, to replant themselves. Believers, uh, our fruit is other believers. Churches' fruit is other churches. And so let me challenge you in that way. And uh, I hope this will be a help to you to better pray for the ministry, our ministry and the ministry of Wisconsin Fellowship. We've been doing this, we're in our 18th year, and I'm not getting any younger nor is my wife. She's a lot younger than I am, but we're still getting older. And so one of these days, God's going to bring somebody else in to be the director. But to encourage you to continue to support the ministry of church planning in Wisconsin through the WFPC. Well, let's just pray together.